Hey everyone and welcome to episode 39 of the Audience Police podcast with me, your host, Adam. And this time I welcomed the lovely, talented and hard-working Dan Stevenson. Uh, he's better known uh, from Frontier, but I got him on the pod not just to talk about their eardrum-battering noise and face-melting shows, but also about um, his new project, Lift, um, which is a beautiful piece of art. And yeah, it's his new solo record, um, which I highly recommend that you go listen to, as with anything I have on this podcast. Um, he came prepared with some great gig stories as well, uh, one which I'll never tire of hearing or uh, thinking about now, um, plus some horror stories we covered uh, in regards to other fans at gigs that we've seen. Um, yeah, some entertaining chats with Dan. But yeah, enjoy the podcast. Uh, go and listen to Frontier and Lift immediately after this, and I will catch you next time. Bye. Dan, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining uh, on a Sunday. And we were just talking before we were recording about having maybe one too many drinks last night. I know I, I, know I did, um, but I'm on my second cup of tea and feeling more human. But yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, um, no worries I've, at all. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've obviously wanted to have you and Ped, actually. I will get him on one day, yeah. being a fan <laughs> of Frontier uh, for quite some time. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed, um, just a shout out to the Alpha Male Tea Party Boys. I listened to that pod you did with them the other day. Oh, nice. And, that uh, was so much fun. I, I genuinely laughed for like an hour solid. It was such a good chat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really enjoying their podcast. And yeah, I didn't realize about how mad a day you had on the, the day of Arc Tangent. That yeah, was uh, so, quite the story. <laughs> I thought this was going to maybe come up today as well. I've got it in one of my uh, one of my lists for you today. But yeah, it's uh, oh my God. Yeah, I'll, I'll maybe retell it for the listeners here that haven't heard it. But yeah, we'll, we'll get there, I'm sure. But a hectic, very stressful day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it's funny. We'll talk about it more at the end. But it's funny watching that show and always liked your uh, live show and how intense it is. But yeah, I think the intensity made sense that day. Being... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we'll talk, yeah. we'll talk about that at the end. But yeah, we're here yeah. to talk about your new project Lift as well. Um, and yeah, I had the album for a little bit before it came out on Friday and been really yeah. enjoying it. But yeah, I just wanted to talk around... I suppose why you started this project lift because it's so obviously literally polar opposite to Frontier. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what were the inspirations behind the record and the decision to do it? Yeah, pr pretty broad, to be honest. So I've wanted to make my own record for years and years, like pre-Frontier. Um, I used to be in a band called Mountains Under Oceans, and that was much more like um, God is an Astronaut or um, maybe even a bit more into like early vessels and that sort of direction, kind of like post elements of post-rock, but lots of electronic-y, maybe she will kind of thing. And um, I learned an awful lot about writing um, music that I liked then in terms of like broader electronic 
electronic sort of composition and I've just always been in bands that have been trying to like you know hit the floor running so I've never really had enough time to really um to like write my own record and just inherently I've always been the organizer guy in the band so I've always tour managed booked the tours driven on the tours um just being that guy and it's the same in frontier really so it's um i've not really had space or time to get my head around what i wanted to do with this um solo record of some description and then obviously covid hit and all the frontier stuff was wiped off um so yeah we had like a whole year's worth of touring internationally that got cancelled so at that point i knew i had a bit of time then um but I guess my headspace wasn't really in the right place. I hadn't really considered what I even wanted it to be. I had a rough concept of like doing a record that would be like a sonic representation of the relationships I had with each member of my family. And that had kind of been a thing in my mind for years, but I didn't really have that much kind of material in mind or even a direction at all. And then um, I just start kind of like playing around with synths and had a couple of like loose ends in 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 the in the DAW and Logic for months, and then I kind of um, had a, a bit of a kind of like harrowing life experience that just kind of like forced me into a direction where I either had to just like wallow and probably have a very very negative outcome or try and channel that into something a bit more creative and at that point I had these like loose ends that were kind of sitting around from like earlier in the year so I I think this must have been like July sort of time I'd written a couple of things and then in September this kind of thing had happened and um, yeah I was just like so burnt out on the idea of making aggressive music because the the way I was feeling I I didn't want to spend more time in that hole so I was like well I can't tour with Frontier to kind of like have like a cathartic version of that it would just be quite self-destructive and then I I thought well if I can't even get the catharsis from it then maybe I should just try write music that will like represent how I want to feel once this is all kind of passed and um yeah I basically just invested the the eight months after that into like exploring ideas and composition kind of techniques and different production techniques and um and it kind of started out really um like in an ambient sort of fashion but i i still wanted it to be quite confusing and like i guess a few people have actually said that they can feel like math core fans have said that they can feel elements of that still confusing polyrhythmic thing in parts of the record which i found interesting because i had no intention of doing that it was just kind of like an unconscious stream of of writing um and then yeah before i knew it it turned into something i didn't even have the intention to make a record to release i just needed a distraction yeah um, and that kind of manifested in um in a, a couple of these songs that i decided after a while they kind of sounded like something i'd quite like to listen to um and then my usual obsessive self just turned that into like my life's work for yeah near enough a year and um yeah i sent it to like two labels and i didn't want it to send it to anyone else and one of the labels um was ven um lags from gallows and uh, i thought they were a really good fit just because they've got like a lot of oddball acts but they've still got quite a good platform and their ethics are really good as well so um i i didn't think for a second it would get taken on um so yeah there's there's quite a lot to it but yeah that's the kind of like short version i suppose and then yeah the the label were happy to kind of put it out and um it was out on friday just past it yeah yeah um yeah i was reading your post the other day about how it's going back to how it's such a personal record and yeah it's i think a lot of the conversations i've had with a lot of people especially with the touring cycles and everything grinding to a halt um 
people have been more creative than ever. And like you say, it's a, a distraction, but it focuses your mind. And yeah, I mean, you can, if you, if you, if you didn't uh, post that the other day on social media, you wouldn't know that this was a personal record. But when you read that message and put the record next to it, um, it definitely makes sense, mate. And it, I think it does. I think it's really great that you've opened up uh, about that on social media and said it's a personal record because I do think it adds more for the listener as well when you listen to it and you can sort of see into your world, I suppose, yeah, um, a little bit. I think bit. it's contextualised a bit more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's such a, a delicate tipping point because I, I never... Like I was saying this on um, the Heavy Mental podcast, uh, the, I, I never really wanted it to be like... <laughs> You know, there's a thin line between headline of man rights record over child loss and, you yeah. know, record release. Like you need something in the middle there. But I, I never like I, I, it's just not my style to, to advertise like grief tourism. And so it's yeah. like I had to give enough away that people could contextualize some of the themes and the idea behind the record. But also, you know, I, I it gets lost in the kind of noise if it's just another record. So it's like you need to kind of have that that balance i suppose yeah definitely definitely well it's it's an incredible record and yeah to the to the listeners i definitely recommend going and listening to it um and of course if you've not heard frontier go and listen to frontier as well <laughs> but if you want the if you want the other other end um but yeah I do, actually talking around venn records i was totally unaware of uh, venn records bef before this how did so how I, I know you said you sent the record to them did you have a relationship with lags before is that why no. you chose them <laughs> yeah this this is the the weird thing like i've i've been so lucky in my music career that people in the right places have liked some of the things that i've done um and yeah that goes back to mountains under oceans um we like fully DIY, I booked everything, managed everything, wrote most of the music with um, one of the other collaborators there, and uh, some people at Techfest got involved in that in early days, and so they gave us a chance. And then off the back of Techfest, we got a whole bunch of big stuff that happened. And then the next thing I did was sectioned, and sectioned took off in a pretty big way. Um, and then the same with Frontier. And so my name's just kind of by osmosis kind of been attached to a couple of things that have done quite well. Um, and then I was managing bands for um, like five years. One of them was uh, And So I Watch You From Afar, quite a big Northern Irish band. And so like, I guess my name's just kind of been around a little bit. And so with Lags, I, I didn't know them at all, but I knew the label for years. They put out the first Marmosets record. They did Tiger Cub, um, Moose Blood. Uh, milk teeth they've done so many amazing records um and they also do a lot of weird electronic-y grimy sort of stuff and um yeah it's like lags from gallows I, i've like i adored gallows from yeah. from the first time i heard them it just like totally opened my mind to punk music um so yeah i mean it sounds like one of those sort of like like um far-fetched sort of things but i literally sent him a demo and uh and he was like yeah it's like nothing like i have released it so far and i don't know what to do with it um so let me know when you've fully finished it because it was just demos that i sent and um and we'll have a chat so like a month went by i sent him the final version of the record 
And he was like, yeah, I, I love it, but I still have no idea what to do with it. <laughs> um, and at this point, he had just done the Bob Villain record that has Jason Butler from Fever 333 on it. Yeah. Um, so like he's working in that kind of world and I'm doing this kind of weird blank mass Portis head kind of thing. Um, but it, it's such a credit to his um, kind of ethos and the way that he is, is that he just loves like good quality interesting music not that i'm saying mine is but from the rest yeah. of the roster that's evident and um and he, he totally took a chance i mean like like i said my back catalog in its mixed sort of ways kind of is not you know it's not a not bad cv but lift itself had one social media post prior to me mailing him so like you know he had totally fair ground to be like well i don't <laughs> have any sort of like track record for this as a thing so i'm a bit kind of apprehensive but yeah like i said when i sent the full record he was just like yeah i'm in i get we'll work it out <laughs> sort of thing and uh yeah it's been really really good ever since and like just on a total fanboy geeky sort of side of things like you know he he's toured the world with like you know he's played with metallica and rage against yeah. the machine and he's in a band with wade from alexis on fire who have been one of my favorite bands they they were the band that linked like heavy music with screaming for me like yeah. it literally changed my life so um yeah i've, I've got a, a really weird full circle sort of relationship there and uh, I'm, I'm so happy it's happened like it genuinely feels like a bit of a dream sometimes to be working with people like that it's so cool yeah yeah definitely yeah like you say like when you get into this world in uh any sort of um any sort of role or uh, like same with journalism as well. It's amazing after uh, a couple of years of doing this and then I'm not, I'm not going to ruin it. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you afterwards, but I recorded a podcast last week, which is the biggest one that I've done. And I was genuinely astounded that amazing. someone from a, from a, from a PR company sent me an email and said, do you want to, do you want to do an interview with them? And I was like, what? Yes. Are, you, are you fucking kidding me? That's amazing. Um, That's so good. Yeah. But yeah, like you say, like there's, there's those moments where you're like, how, how, how did I get here? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, my whole career has been that. And it's funny, I was listening to an interview with um, Steph Carpenter from Deftones and someone had said to him, like, you know, have you got any advice for young musicians trying to like make it or whatever? And he like so simple, but so effective. He said, just keep turning up. And I, I was like, yeah, I love that. Like, you don't even need to be that good. If you just keep turning up and turning up, like you will develop the skills, you will learn the ins and outs of it and people will eventually see your name or your whatever the thing is. But you like, you know, you can't put in two years and hope that something happens. You need to like be in for the yeah. long haul. And uh, I, I loved that. I thought it was really like a good advice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you look at bands like, uh, I, I always... Um, rave about idols but idols are a, a perfect example of that where they pretty much built everything on their own terms but i remember like going back to say you don't necessarily have to be good i remember the first time i saw idols supporting future the left and they weren't yeah. good they were really bad <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i remember remember walking away going why is everyone starting to rave about this band i thought yeah. it was shit <laughs> and then uh and then like a year later i saw them again just after they released the first album and it was like a completely yeah, new yeah, band yeah. and then and then like two years later three well a bit longer 
they're they're headlining Ali Pali and it was all done off their own back and like they've still got the same management team yeah, with them. Just they've had since phenomenal. day one. They're they're the yeah. perfect example of like a band sticking to their guns and just being like, you know, this is our kind of mission statement. If you like it, get in the team. If you don't, then fuck off. It's like it's the most like yeah. new wave punk sort of attitude ever. Yeah, I, I adore idols. I think they're phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big up big up to those boys. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, um, I just wanted to touch on, I don't know how much you can say before we go into the favorite gigs ever. Uh, I've seen some teasers around Frontier. Is mm-hmm. there, is yeah. there any, is there any news on that front? Is there anything you can say? Yeah, a couple of things. So I, I can't give specific dates. And the, the funny thing is I'm like finishing up the kind of PR run for Lyft and then the Frontier one starts. So I'm kind of just going in a big circle. So yeah, I will be back with Ped specifically to talk <laughs> shortly with you. Um, but what do we have? We have a documentary coming out in the next um, two months. Um, oh, wow. Brad from Banger TV came over from Canada on our last uh, last European tour in 2019, just before COVID. And yeah, he filmed like a fly in the wall sort of documentary about what it is to be a DIY band kind of climbing the ladder. And um, he shows all the highlights and the lowlights. He shows us getting ripped off by promoters. He shows us playing big festivals. Um, it's really, really cool. So that's going to be out in the next couple of months. Um, I think that'll be announced shortly. Um, and then the new record is all done and dusted with a release date in the diary um, sometime between October and Christmas <laughs> is as much as I can say really on that one. But um, I think people are going to be pretty, um, yeah, pretty blown away by it. I can say it because I never wrote any of this record so I'm, <laughs> as a fan and I can say that. But uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. I'm really super excited for people to hear what, what's um, what's in there. Yeah, yeah, de- I, uh, definitely from a fan's point of view. Um, obviously, Frontier is w- one of those bands that everyone's chomping at the bit for the for the for the next piece of news. It was like when um, you guys did the repress of uh, um, not the last album, the album Orange before, Athletics, yeah. and every- yeah, yeah, and everyone was just like waiting for the order now button <laughs> because yeah, it's it's rid- it's ridiculous. Like because I I I ordered that. Um, I ordered that when uh, you re-released it, and yeah, going on Discogs like some of the some of the Frontier records were going for like two hundred quid. I found one for like... five hundred dollars. You see behind me, I've I've got one just there. I had to wait for the second run to get Orange Mathematics on vinyl. I didn't even get one, <laughs> so so I I don't know how or why or like it's an absolute like phenom. I don't know how that band have so much like um like cult status but it's incredible and i'm obviously amazingly grateful for it but it's like i've just i've never seen it before from like a band that aren't really you know we've done six tours like that's all we've done so i'm just i'm always a bit kind of like how has that happened but uh yeah it's amazing to see that sort of um yeah like kind of people waiting for for everything that we're doing so yeah very very cool yeah well, absolutely buzzing for that for that this year. Um, I know it will automatically be one of my favourite albums of the year. I don't even have to hear oh, it. Yeah, <laughs> um, so we'll we'll dive into my favourite bit of the the podcast, and um, yeah, we'll probably cover some of the ground that you covered with the Alpha Male Tea Party Boys. Yeah. But um, let's talk about um, the top three gigs that you've played, um, and yeah, let's dive into some of those stories. Ace, yeah, so I think. They're they're probably all with Frontier, to be honest. I mean, I've I've been playing gigs um for 
oh my god nearly 20 years which makes me sound very old but um yeah the, the ones that have really been kind of like life affirming have, have, have been frontiers so yeah first time the band played in paris really sticks out um and yeah that was our first tour on mainland europe and uh, i didn't really know what to expect none of us knew what to expect on that tour and we turned up to this venue and um yeah dingy little parisian sort of like basement show and uh yeah we basically went out for a walk went up to montmartre it was in that sort of nice sort of like dodgy bit of town and um came back to the venue and we we couldn't even get like downstairs it was dangerously packed out and like there's just like a moment of all of us looking at each other like what what <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no this this is going to be dangerous and uh yeah like from the the second we even put our stuff on the stage to like do our line check the place is just like absolutely like you know the roof was like buzzing sort yeah. of thing and so yeah that just turned into this like absolute mayhem show like people were literally pulling the ceiling tiles off and um it was like it it was one of those like it reminded me of what it might have been like to like see dillinger in the early days or slipknot in the early days where you feel yeah. like there's just this lightning in a bottle and um and that's just going by the feeling in the room not that we were of that standard but just that feeling in the room it kind of it definitely gave me that like oh my god people like care about this band sort of thing and yeah, um definitely. yeah it, it, i guess like that doesn't really make it sound so different to a lot of frontier shows but i think just as a first sort of like dip a toe into the like the world that's potential for the band then yeah that was a, a really uh incredible sort of night and it was all, like it was definitely not a good show because at one point um <laughs> callum snapped a bass string and he it was like the venue was so badly laid out and so busy that he couldn't even get to his, his strings to like restring so we basically just had a noise set for about 10 minutes while he did that <laughs> and then i was getting so annoyed with that that i just ditched all my stuff and just started crowd surfing and so like musically speaking not very entertaining but atmosphere wise i think it was um quite a good one to to kind of see so i think that would be the first of the the three i would say um yeah so that was really fun um and then the second one i had was um the london show that we did in 2018 i think it was our first bigger london boston music rooms um yeah. were you there at all yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I was there for so that, that but... was conjurer on support and then yeah. um sammy and justine from employed to serve came and done back in vocals for molten larva and stevis from um the fever 333 turned up they were playing in london the next night so oh shit i didn't know that yeah he I turned up with their tour manager and someone else from the crew came downstairs and hung out and and the chariot have been one of my biggest musical influences like i i saw them when i lived in australia and i never thought i'd get to see anything like that again and oh. i told him that i was there and had this like weird sort of conversation <laughs> and um yeah that that show was another one of those like oh man people are like into this band like th there's a, a fan base it's not just our mates helping us out coming to gigs it's like people yeah. have queued and like it was absolutely mad there's just there's a picture from it where that it genuinely looks like a battle scene with people like fist fighting it's honestly so so wild um, yeah it's it, i love i love uh i honestly love that venue and i'm so glad that more and more shows are being put on there because it was a while <clears throat> probably before that time that those sort of size shows wouldn't generally be put on there. I, I know I didn't go up there a lot. And yeah, I've seen so many great gigs in that venue just in the last three, four years. Talking mm -hmm. of Conjurer, they uh, they did their 
last headline there, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the Armed, I always yeah. go on about The Armed. The yeah. Armed played there, which I know you love as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was insane. And talking about a battlefield, there's a picture of me. Uh, it looks like I'm about to punch Kara in the head, basically. <laughs> um, it's absolutely perfect p- picture. But oh, um, just having a whale of a time. But yeah, there's something about that venue. I think... Um, because there's no barrier, but the stage is just high enough so you can see the band really well. Yeah. I think the, I think it sounds absolutely amazing as well. Yeah, for, 100%. Yeah, the sound, yeah. I remember when we um, when we did that last show there, we've got the same front of house guy that we always use. In fact, he just mixed the lift record, uh, Ian oh, McLeod. And uh, yeah, he, he does something in that room that's just like, I, I'm still like at that stage where I'm like, it sounds like a real band, you know, like I don't really consider us to be a real band, but when I hear it in the soundcheck, I'm like, Jesus, like that sounds like a real band. So yeah, the room's perfectly shaped for it. And the, uh, yeah, that no barrier, but stage kind of high enough to be a semi-barrier kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It really works. Awesome venue. Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. Yeah, Very cool. Um, Yeah. What's your third show? And then the third one is this arc tangent fiasco. And <laughs> it's annoying because it, it, it fits into best and worst at the same time. Um, and yeah, I guess like the, the story is, is fairly long, but I'll try and condense it a little bit. But yeah, basically we, Frontiera had been on tour for three weeks in Europe and um, fairly tired out. So then we had a two week break and then we had uh, arc tangent on the Saturday in Sheffield on the Sunday, I think it was, we did a, a, a club show in Sheffield. So yeah, Chad had flown back to the States in between and then back to the UK for this little weekender. And um, yeah, my, as usual, my TM sort of role was to get the van and then we'll get everyone down sort of thing. And I'd left like a 12 hour gap so that we could get from Glasgow all the way down to outside Bristol for Octangent and then uh, stay in the hotel. Uh, I turned up at seven in the morning to get the van and there was like fire engines and police and the, the van hire company, someone had attempted to burn it down that evening. And um, so I was just kind of like, oh my God, (laughs) my, my 12 hour window is a nine hour drive with a three hour sort of like risk window, if you want to see it like that. So this like risk window is like decreasing minute by minute. Uh, got chatting to the manager and he was like yeah you can see what's going on here so I don't think you're going to get a van but I'll make a call sort of thing so uh, he like I was an hour pretty much before he came back and then he was like yeah I've got another van I can sort you out with but it's going to be an hour two hours go by I hadn't let the band know because they're kind of stressy and um like yeah when you tour manage a lot you kind of know when to like you know how to mitigate the panic yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I, but I had gotten to the point where I was like yeah okay they need to know. <laughs> <laughs> and um and at this point as well Chad's wife was like six months pregnant and I hadn't actually factored in all the p-stops and stuff so yeah basically two and a half hours go by I get to Edinburgh to pick up the guys and then we've kind of got a half hour sort of risk window which doesn't really account for like you know five p-stops yeah. and whatever so yeah, we get like three quarters of the way down, had to stop a bunch of times and the weather that year at Arctangent was wild. It was like this crazy yeah. like side storm kind of thing that was just going on. And um, yeah, we, we got to like two hours outside of like the the kind of festival site and we were meant to be on stage in those in two hours sort of thing. So yeah, I basically just had to like fully break the law. Like I got points on my license, a speeding ticket and um, <laughs> yeah, we effectively got to the stage with like 15 minutes i think for our stage time to begin so that means like a load in a lighting check uh, a sound check and then some kind of line check once you've got all of that together and um yeah basically we pulled up I had ran out the van, put my amp on the stage, but there was already like 500 people there waiting to see us. We were headlining one of the tents. So um, 
I had been so obsessed with getting there on time, I'd actually forgotten that people might be at the gig. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, as soon as I turned around and I saw all those people, I was like, oh man, it's game time. Like we need to make this happen. People have like yeah, yeah, yeah. come specifically to see this. Um, so yeah, we managed to like rattle through a load in, a lighting check and a sound check within the 15 minutes that we had. And I think we're only actually five minutes over and we only had to ditch one song but like all of those 12 hours of panic and like anxiety and all that had kind of just had this like absolutely like kinetic burst of energy when we started and I, I remember honestly just being like I I do not care if I break my neck or my ankle I need <laughs> to just like let all of this like go and um yeah I was like climbing around the lighting rafters and um through my guitar like up into the like the tent and the kind of structure and stuff and yeah, it was wild. It was gen like I don't know. It must have sounded awful, but to look <laughs> at it must have been at least engaging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm mad. Like even hearing this story for the second time, um, it's. I just I remember being at that set, and again, like you guys are always pretty mad uh, live anyway, and pretty energetic, um, especially like Ped always <laughs> throws himself about, gets in the crowd. Yeah, um, but. Um, yeah, now having that backstory, looking back at the show, it's again, it's it's contextualizing um, that day for yeah. for everyone else. It's like fuck. If I'd known that, I would have just been even more mind blown on yeah. the day. But um, it was it was quite a pressurized sort of situation, and because you know it was the day that so many good bands were playing, like Battles were playing, Meshuggah were on the next day, um, and so we had looked. Oh, well, I don't know if we did, but I looked side stage at one point, and like Yvette Young was there, the guys from Battles were there, wow. like Renfrey was there. It's like all these like fairly big industry sort of folk, and I was kind of like, oh my god, they're watching me have a tantrum on stage. <laughs> I'm not representing myself very well here, but I mean, in some ways, it is kind of the embodiment of Frontier in a lot of ways, is that sort of like you know violent expression. So I, I guess they got the the full sort of. The full picture but yeah it was just kind of like oh my god yeah Bia in fact Bia was there as well Tosca were playing oh, that year so yeah, yeah. I've, I've just I've just had a, a flashback as well because um yeah that day you, you're 100% right if um and I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast have been to Arctangent or know Arctangent it does rain every year without without fail yeah. but I do remember that day it was the worst day ever I think it because I got up early I think I saw something stupid like 34 bands that weekend. I think on that day alone, I saw 12 bands because I remember getting up earlier and seeing cattle first thing. <laughs> and it was already raining when I got up at like 9am mm -hmm. and it was torrential. But I do remember when you, when, you, when you were playing your set, I looked outside and I think that was the point it stopped raining yeah. really weirdly. Because <laughs> yeah, like you said, you were headlining the tent. So I think you were on about eight nine ish um, yeah well, yeah something like that yeah, and, and then it was somebody on the main stage after you but i remember turning around and being like shit it stopped raining yeah <laughs> it's funny you say that because i've got this like very vivid image in my mind of like the there's like a bit of a mist coming up from the ground because it had stopped raining but there's so much body yeah. heat coming out of the tent that i just saw this like sea of people and then a big <laughs> bit of mist out the back it, it was so beautiful there's actually a picture that nick our photographer took that kind of shows a bit of that um yeah and and yeah see with arctan though it's like i'm always amazed that the bands have such good turnouts because i think 
like you can get burnt out on so much complicated music and that's no slight against dark tangent like i'm, I'm good friends with jock and and it's nothing i, I wouldn't say to them but it, it it kind of speaks volumes about the fans that go to that festival that they're so happy to just see like polyrhythm after complex synth sound after like screeching vocals like all day for three days it's amazing yeah. that people are that invested in it like it's mind-blowing i love it it's so so cool yeah and yeah again like especially with that weekend and the horrible weather like the next day um which was the final day Meshuggah finished the weekend <laughs> and like everyone's gone through like three days of torrential weather like literally you you couldn't walk on the ground it was That's so right. it was like really clay and sticky i remember yeah. um but people was like that Meshuggah set like the, the whole tent was packed everyone was there to see it and everyone was absolutely buzzing that yeah. weekend was probably yeah. one of my favorites actually yeah i think so too i've, I've been going to arc tangent every year since 2014 and um i've been lucky enough to play three of them now and yeah it's just it gets better every year the acts get better the organization all of it it's like it is i think it's probably one of the best in the uk like even up against the big ones i think it's it's really um yeah an absolutely amazing festival yeah, definitely. Shout out to Arc Tangent and mm. uh, all those great people that put on that festival. Um, so yeah, the final bit of the podcast, top three gigs been to as a fan. What have you got for us? Oh, so difficult. I was really <laughs> like struggling because I, I like lots of different shows and gigs and concerts for different reasons. Like I love seeing like obscure jazz for its own thing. I love seeing electronic music for its own thing. So I tried to think like across the board, what's given me that like, oh my life, what have I just seen sort of feeling? Um, and so I've had to extend it to four. I'm sorry, Adam. <laughs> That's all right. Um, but yeah, so I think all for different reasons but the first one i picked was the first time that i saw nordic giants um nice. i saw them in king tuts i think it must have been in 2014 and my in fact the front of house engineer for frontier um ian he was like i've got a show for you i'm not going to tell you anything but just come along and it's going to blow your mind i was like yeah yeah, yeah everyone says that <laughs> um so yeah have you seen them before yeah yeah, yeah yeah okay yeah, so, yeah, think, yeah. funny enough seen them at arc tangent I yeah think, so once, they, yeah. they do the same kind of thing everywhere they go but yeah so effectively they um for anyone that doesn't know they effectively um kind of curate their own soundtrack in real time is probably the best way to put it so they they make movies based on like um archived footage and uh, they they make a soundtrack in real time that's to a click track so that it all kind of happens in sync but they're dressed in these like wild bird sort of like ensemble outfits and it's a really like high high art um like intelligent kind of visual art show i guess um but i didn't know that was coming so i was just like is it metal is it going to be post-rock what is it <clears throat> and um yeah it, i just i felt like i didn't take a breath for an hour and then i left the building just like shell-shocked it was like yeah. one of the most beautiful things i ever like it's still to this day in a room with maybe 200 people in it it was honestly just like phenomenal um and then we actually played with them with that old band of mine martins under oceans we played with them a couple of times after that and then i've seen them subsequently quite a few times i think it does wear off after you've seen it a few times but the first time you see it, it, it like for me anyway i was genuinely just like gobsmacked it was one of the most beautiful performances I've, I've ever seen so that kind of sneaks into to one of those performances i think yeah, um cool. and yeah so after that um i picked carnival and nice. i think because they kind of embody a lot of the experimental stuff that i love but also 
like they're not robots they still use amps they still create all the sounds they don't really use backing tracks too heavily and they can all like really do multiple things while like singing or instruments and yeah just in terms of songs as well i think their songwriting is just incredible so yeah i've seen them i think three times now um and yeah every time i just i can't believe ian kenny's voice like the guy can <laughs> like how can someone sing like that it just blows <laughs> my mind like other yeah. than maynard like i don't know another male vocalist that can really like sound the same as on you know as a commercial record like phenomenal so um so yeah i think carnival are in that list as well and then my last two are polar opposites but for (laughs) kind of similar reasons so i i couldn't like miss out dillinger's farewell tour so i've I've seen dillinger like a ton of times but that farewell tour um they played the qmu in glasgow and that was the one the tour that horror were on support and i think just that mixture of like horror really setting the scene and then dillinger coming out with nothing to lose i mean if you know ben broke six guitars or you know greg fucking snapped his arm they're never doing it again so they they didn't care like there's just this real like that feeling I mentioned with like Slipknot or, you know, Dillinger's early club shows, like that feeling of like, this is never going to be repeated again. Like we'll never see this again. And um, that sort of feeling, uh, yeah, it, it totally took my breath away. So I, I think that's in there. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I went uh, twice to that last tour. I went to, again, because it was like, it's never going to happen again. I wish I'd gone to more of the shows, but we went up to Manchester and then obviously to the London show, the London show, because it was such a big venue. I can't remember where it was. Might have been Brixton. But um, yeah, because it was quite a big show, it didn't feel as special. But the Manchester show was pretty insane. Um, and quite a quite a sad end to the night, though, was uh, they actually had to cut their set short because oh, nice. uh, a fan got dropped on their head and um, basically started having some sort of... Um, uh fit on the floor oh, uh yeah it was it was savage like talk yeah i think the fans because obviously it's the last dillinger tour that manchester show just uh i think it was the academy two uh-huh. it was quite a big room but it was really great venue but there was a huge pit and it was constantly going and people were just going off yeah and then all of a sudden everyone was like whoa 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 stop 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 and they they pulled obviously pulled the music pulled the plug on the music and yeah. the band were like what the fuck's going on have we just been told to stop and they yeah this huge area just cleared oh and there was a guy God. just having a fit in the middle of middle of the floor oh that's and awful. uh yeah i know it was absolutely mad but that's weird that that happened because at the glasgow one um we thought we were going to have the show cut as well because basically that venue the qmu has a balcony of sorts that kind of goes around and obviously greg found his way up there and was jumping (laughs) down but some someone thought it would be a good idea to replicate that but there was like this weird sort of like black almost camouflaged um sort of like piping that ran around the side of the stage that someone who had hopped the balcony barrier thought that they could walk on but she didn't see that there was like nothing beneath it so she fell from balcony height straight onto her chest and then someone just dragged her off the stage and everyone was just like looking around like what like i mean she must have at least must have been concussed like it was a like it looked like a road accident it was horrendous and um they never stopped the show she must have been okay but she like bounced when she hit the ground it was that high oh my god um so i'm amazed that didn't get stopped i'm also very glad it didn't because it's a shame for it to like 
you know peter out instead of go out with a huge bang like you know the dillinger sort of thing but yeah, yeah. I, the injuries calculated on that um that tour must have been like in the hundreds it would have been pretty bad i think yeah definitely yeah a mad tour and oh yeah like you say i'm glad i'm glad you brought that story because that tour was insane yeah um really good one yeah. um so yeah my last one uh here is like i said polar opposite to that boniver yeah i saw boniver nice. in um 2014 and my wife got me tickets for our anniversary in 2018 and he had to cancel it because he was ill and then 2019 got moved again and then covid so i've still got the valid ticket which is meant to happen in january 2022 from a 2017 gig <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i saw him in 2014 and he had the staves on support with him for that one and um yeah just like fully like crying my eyes out for most of the concert it's just one of those like unbelievable ethereal like euphoric sort of things like Bonnevere's um first three records were one of those things like you know when you listen to something so much that it's kind of like ingrained in part of your fiber like it's that yeah I have that with with Bonnevere and um Justin Vernon in general so yeah seeing that performance in 2014 um yeah just fully yeah one of those like phenomenal if i never see a gig again i'll i'll be happy that that i got to see that so yeah it has to be up there i i, I worship uh, and you'll hear it throughout the record like i've, I've <laughs> blatantly ripped off bonnevar <laughs> in in a bunch of sections but i can't help it the guy's a genius yeah yeah uh, yeah i really need to go back into bonnevar um i haven't listened to listen to them as near as much as i should have but um yeah i'll go back and listen to them this afternoon i think after that story mate yeah um um but yeah some absolutely amazing stories there um i'm really happy that you came super prepared and yeah um i could hear that arc tangent story again and again and again <laughs> that 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 will live in the live in the history books of arc tangent oh god um, yeah <laughs> wild but but i hope you never go through it again same. Uh, <laughs> yeah absolutely the same i think next time i genuinely will just go down a day early and <laughs> just to save <laughs> <off>. <laughs> yeah but something will probably still happen and yeah it, uh, always yeah it's <laughs> Music industry things will always go wrong so yeah yeah well thanks man thank you so much for coming on and having a chat on this sunday um and yeah uh to everyone listening please do go and listen to dan's record it is a beautiful piece of art oh, and I'm, so gonna, I'm gonna go and put it on now myself but where can people go and listen to your new record and i saw you had some lush teas that have been put together where can people pick those up yeah uh, nice one it's um so you can find the record everywhere so the, the act is called lift and the record is there is a beauty in everything and yet yeah, spotify apple music soundcloud Bandcamp, everywhere and um yeah i got like a nice little run of t-shirts with some um some nice text designed by jock from arc tangent funnily enough um oh, nice. so yeah they're on merched uh, m-e-r-c-h-t dot com forward slash lift and they're only on for two weeks before uh, i take down the campaign um and yeah yeah, please go have a listen it's somehow charted at 23 on itunes uh electronic charts uh how oh, that wow. happened but uh, yeah <laughs> it was it was sitting above portishead's dummy which is one of my favorite records of all time so um i'm living in a fever dream of like wild things happening <laughs> this weekend so yeah i honestly appreciate it so much everyone that has listened if you haven't then yeah go check it out it's in that realm of like apex twin boniver portishead kind of stuff and uh yeah it's, it's been a pleasure to to kind of get it out and let people hear it yeah amazing man yeah thank you so much and yeah i'll uh, i'll chat to you soon buddy no worries thanks adam cheers for that.
Bye.